0: Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. Very much a sort of UK flavour this week. We had uh, Darren Wadsworth on Tuesday's show. And today I'm joined by another fellow Brit. Well, fellow Brit by way of Texas nowadays, uh, Steve Geimer. Steve, how's it going? Yes, it's good, Dave. Thank
1: you. Yeah, yeah. So, fellow Brit, but I've been over to, I've lived in. The state since 2006
0: now so yeah what was it that sort of brought you to uh to texas
1: um so originally I, I lived in manhattan for the first year uh of coming over then i went to dc for about six months and then uh chicago for a couple of years oh, okay. my wife's actually from yeah my wife's actually from chicago so Moved, moved around a bit um, but what actually brought me over to the States was, was work um, Funny enough I used to work for the Carphone Warehouse and uh, we did a joint venture with Best Buy so I guess for people from the UK would know Carphone and Best Buy and then people from the US would know just Best Buy probably um, we did a joint venture around uh, the phone uh, cell phone business and you know what was a six month project when I was young free and single to go and live in new york for six months turned into uh, you know quite a of life move and brought me out to, to texas where i ended up after various sort of company moves moves within the same company and they said Do you want to go to texas and i said yeah why not let's give it a
0: shot <laughs> so you were scheduled to go for new york for six months but you've never actually made it back to you never made it back to the uk you've, you've stayed in the states this whole time
1: well, obviously visiting back in the UK, right. I've done, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went, uh, eventually, you know, they got us uh, off the visa and got us a green card as for, from a company point of view. And then a couple of years ago, I actually, uh, applied for citizenship and went through that process and did the whole stand up in front of a room full of people type gig. And, uh, yeah, I'm a, a citizen over here now as well. So, um, this past election was the first time I could actually vote. So yeah, I'm, uh, Pretty much set. Uh, we've got, um, I'm obviously married, as I mentioned earlier, my wife's American and we've got two uh, two young kids now, I've got two girls and they're uh, clearly Texan,
0: um, so not planning on going anyway. Yeah, we, I saw them on the uh, the video that uh, you were on for um, for Jim, for Jim Valley, uh, you know, a bunch of us from the uh, Fight Game podcast all sent, well, which is, uh, well well messages to uh, to jim and and uh saw your two girls on their lovely little message from from you and, and I, I didn't realize until i saw that are you actually from are you actually from the uk I, I sort of heard the accent and thought hang on a minute <laughs> that's not a texan accent
1: <laughs> yeah well in the video message I, I tried to make up from the fact that i look like a football hooligan convict <laughs> scary type person by showing my little girls giving a giving a, a bit of a shout but
0: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think
1: mean, you live in Yeovil, is it?
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I um, I lived in Plymouth for a couple of years before I uh, ended up. So I'm oh, oh, born and bred in Essex, but I lived in Plymouth for a couple of years before I came out here. So um, I knew exactly where that was, and when you kind of know know a little bit about both sides, it's kind of confusing for some people, I guess, because it's like. It lives in the states, but he talks about this, and he doesn't know this, and <laughs> so
0: that kind of throws
1: people off. Yeah, but you you picked it up straight away, especially with the uh, the Essex thing as well. It's funny how you picked
0: that one up straight away. Yeah, I've actually been up to Essex a couple of times. Actually, on BBC Essex, I've been on there a couple of times uh, t- to the the studios in Chelmsford. Um, so yeah, I, I know Essex. I don't know Essex really well, but I know it a little bit. I certainly know an accent when I hear it. So, but. Um, yeah, so as far as the podcast goes, obviously I ask everyone the the same set of questions. And, and the first question I ask everyone is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? So what's the earliest memory you have of wrestling?
1: So I, I have, I'm, I'm going to say I have two purely because I'm not sure which one well I know which one came first now based on the events that I'm going to talk about, but the, uh, the, the specific <laughs> matches. But my first memory of wrestling was the 1991 UK Rampage Tour. Um, and, and it's funny enough, my, the first wrestling match I ever saw was the Warlord versus Jim Nightheart. And if that's not the kind of killer match to get you hooked on to, to a sport, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, basically, uh, I remember a, few, about a year or so before that, so maybe six months before that, there was a tape going around at school, and it was uh, SummerSlam 88, and everyone was spreading it around, and for some reason it never never became my turn, like it was always the next person the next person, and um, I thought, well, I wonder what, what that is, and, you know, trying to trying to see it. Well, a friend of mine had, had seen it. So we used to play with our little GI Joe figures um, doing wrestling. Well, having never seen it properly, I'm just kind of mimicking what he's doing or I'm trying to play around. And I just remember when I watched that match for the first time, you know, obviously I was amazed by the spectacle, the the size and, and just the uh, the general characters but I also have a vivid, vivid uh, memory of wondering why they bounced off the ropes so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know if it's because when I was playing it was always like playing like they're, they're wrestling probably like amateur wrestling you know. Um, but yeah Jim Neidhart to me was like this crazy guy that kept bouncing off the ropes and uh, yeah he, uh, that, that was that was my first real memory of it I guess.
0: Summer Sun '88. That was the the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks were they called, Andre and, and Ted DiBiase?
1: That's what that was, yeah, which I have obviously I've seen now, so um but I think that was one of the biggest things from from that show as well. If I'm right, I believe that was the one where the Warrior won the Intercontinental title in like
0: seconds, a few Seconds
1: yeah. off of a funky talk man. That's
0: right, yeah.
1: So there was that and uh the other one I was talking about, the UK Rampage tour, uh, was at the Royal Albert Hall. And um, that was, the, the main event was a battle royal that the British Bulldog, so David Wall Smith won. Um, and that, that after that, that was it. It was like, whatever I can get my hands on, I just wanted to watch. Um, and it became all you know, commercial stuff for the first few years. But yeah, that's, uh, that was an amazing show. And then when I eventually saw SummerSlam, I could see why people got hooked on that as well, because... The, the mega powers and the mega bucks. I mean, who, who wouldn't fall in love with it from from watching
0: that? And who are some of the wrestlers that sort of captured your imagination early on? Um, so
1: at first it would have been the you know the bigger the biggest the, sorry the bigger more outlandish stars. So I can remember Legion of Doom or the Rogue Warriors were in uh, WWF about i'm talking about 91 now i'm not talking about Summerslam 88 but um you know they were in the wwf around and i remember the Summerslam 91 match i think it was with the nasty boys and the the was it called the pity city or the pit stop i don't remember where they used to shove faces into people's armpits the nasty boys did um (laughs) so that was that was kind of nice but anyway in terms of wrestlers i pretty quickly i took to some of the what i would consider good wrestlers now i mean Bret hart was a, fa- a favorite of mine um mr perfect became a favorite of mine pretty quick um randy savage has always been someone that you know just larger than life as well as being being really entertaining um so i kind of took to him that way i remember um after about a, a couple of years of watching roddy piper had got me and, and Bret hart had got me and obviously uh, WrestleMania 8, they, they fought each other, which was a really big deal for me at the time. Um, but uh, Bret Hart would probably have to be my my one that, that really hooked me. Um, after I got through the fascination with the fact that some people were huge and muscular and whatever, I think I, I then started to get into looking at what actually was entertaining to watch in a match versus what was just like, blew your mind away that someone looked as crazy as like a road warrior hawk d or a a warlord or someone like
0: that so what the the first show that you attended live would that have been the the UK Rampage show I'm I'm guessing no no I
1: didn't attend it live oh sorry okay yeah yeah the first show I attended live was uh, SummerSlam
0: 92 oh okay um
1: yeah that that was amazing I I, I'm still to this day wish i could apologize to the people that i sat near because there was this little 12 year old screaming his head up it must have completely uh completely annoyed everyone because i was that 12 year old um, but uh, <laughs> i i remember we got a i went up there with a friend and his dad because another side story but one of the things my, my dad um, has passed away now but he absolutely hated wrestling and he always used to say to me, that will never go on my TV. Well, obviously, it did when he wasn't there and stuff. And, you know, he, he knew it was being played. But it got me a, a VCR and a TV in my bedroom at quite a young age. But <laughs> the reason the reason I bring that up is because, you know, going to an event, I had to go with my friend and his dad because no one from, uh, from my family would take me. And uh, we... We went up there on, uh, on like a coach trip. I don't know if they still do those type of things where you buy a ticket from a coach company and it includes the transport there and back. Um, so we, we did that and we went up there and bought a couple of t-shirts outside and it was the first time I'd been to such a big arena. And for some reason, I remember it being like 25 pounds a ticket, but that was supposed to be one of the better tickets. I mean, clearly not front row or something, but lower down. And we were sitting as far back as humanly possible um and i think there was something in the papers a couple of days later about how all the tickets had got messed up and people were sitting in the wrong places but uh that was just such a great show and i I remember you know savage and and warrior um, had a match and this is where i talk about being obnoxious to the people around me you know i was screaming for for savage and then uh, rick flair walks out so all of a sudden, I turned my allegiance to Ric Flair because by that time, you know, it was, I'd seen a lot of Ric Flair and knew, knew what he did. And so I'm, I'm screaming for, for, for Randy Savage and then Ric Flair comes out, so I start screaming for Ric Flair. and That was great. And then by the end of it, I pretty much lost my voice. And um, we, uh, yeah, pretty much lost my voice. And then it was the Bret Hart bulldog main event and I, I just remember being in that building it was just like um, like a bulldog hit man but you know, I got a chant going backwards and forwards and I was cheering for the hit man which was the the slightly maybe not as loud chant as the bulldog was uh, one was in London and uh, it was it was just amazing it, it really was and I just couldn't believe how much fun it was at a live event and it was it was just something else man it was uh, that that many people? Well, I think it was like seventy-five thousand people, or whatever. I'm, I'm sure Vince would probably say there was what two hundred thousand. Well, like I think
0: eighty-three but, was, um, was it eighty-three yeah. was the one they said that it was. I'm not sure that, if that's accurate or not, but I think that was a number. Yeah, that I, I don't sound know. doesn't sound like doesn't sound quite right. Does it? It
1: sounds about right. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, Wembley Stadium what's it hold for the FA Cup about eighty thousand? Is it?
0: Well, the, old, the, old, the old, the old Wembley probably did, yeah. Uh, but um, I was talking to I was talking to Darren about that show a little bit the other day, and I said that um, when it came to Brett and Bulldog, from <laughs> from the sort of uh, perspective of somebody watching, it sort of felt like it was fifty fifty, or maybe sort of sixty forty in in Brett's favour. But from someone who was actually there, you reckon the Bulldog was probably more popular because it, it kind of felt that the fans were slightly split.
1: There was definitely a split. I mean, I wouldn't say it was more than a. I wouldn't say that it was more than a maybe a thirty-five forty for for Brent. If I say the Bulldog was more popular, but I did feel that that Bulldog was the favourite there that night. Um, I remember and interesting as well going back and watching the match. You know, it's. Um, I remember it being great, but you know, from from sitting right at the top of the stadium and. When watching. You can't really, you can't really get a feel for it. But then, you know, uh, Brett Hart talked about it in his book, and how he carried David White through it and everything. And I remember when I watched the tape the first time when I was uh, younger, and just thinking how, how amazing. Both of them were and how backwards and forwards the match went. But yeah, that was that was something else. That show and talk about like setting a, a standard time for your first show. That was uh, that was that was really good.
0: At any point, did you stop watching wrestling? Did you ever, at any point, sort of lose interest altogether?
1: You know, I, I wouldn't say I lost interest altogether, because there was I always read... For, for some reason, I got hold of The Observer when I was about 14 or 15. Um, I'm 40 now, so I'm <laughs> talking about like 94, 95. Um, so I'd always got into that. And there was also... There was a wrestling let newsletter that was published in the UK, and I believe it was like a maybe a precursor to like the power slams. Um, And I've still actually got um, like a couple of magazines of superstars of wrestling. Oh, yeah, precursor, precursor to yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. With Finn, what's name? Finn Martin was the was it Finn Martin the editor? Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, so I, I remember finding, I think I found one of those uh, magazines in you know, a newsagent's. I bought that, I read it, you know, started realizing there was um, more to it. And then from there, I think I ended up subscribing to a British newsletter. And I've, I've got them lying around somewhere, I don't know where, but uh, which was a lot more, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't kayfabe, but it wasn't as detailed as The Observer. And then from there, I end up getting a subscription to the Observer. So getting back to your question, because I know I just went way off on a tangent. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I was probably, uh, what else is that? I'm going to be like 16, during like the 96 era, when you've got, um, you know, Sean and Vader and, and that kind of thing, right before it started to really pick up with the Attitude Era. And at that time in your life, you know, it was, it becomes, you know, girls, alcohol, whatever you're... Pleasures are and you, you start going out with your friends all the time. So I think um, if I remember WWF at the time, was on like 10 o'clock on a Friday night or something, which was just the worst possible time for me to to not go out with my friends. So I, I kind of stopped watching, still followed it in the newsletter, and then I'd probably catch up with it a little bit here and there, um, you know, if there was something really good that was going on. And then I want to say it was probably around 2001 2002 where I started to get back into it heavy so probably the opposite of a lot of people I'd imagine that the Attitude Era was the time where I kind of wasn't heavily interested and then got back into it after
0: that you're not not the first person to to say that Um, I think I'm trying to remember who the other person well I've done so many of these now they sort of all run together to to a point but I I think um, you're not the first person to say they stopped watching during the the Astrid era, um, but um, as far as your sort of viewing habits now, I mean, what what do you watch from a week to week basis? Do you um, do you follow any WWE at all? Do you just watch the pay per views or
1: so? Interesting pattern for my WWE viewing was I used to watch everything live, and then a few years ago I went to DVR and everything because. You could spin through the commercials. Then from there, this is all stage by stage, right? I couldn't tell you how long I was doing each piece, but it's interesting that I'll tell you why, because a friend of mine is currently doing the similar kind of thing stage by stage. So anyway, watching live, watching on DVR, then watching on DVR, but spinning through, not only the commercials, but some of the, the, what I consider crap segments I didn't want to watch, to then getting to a point where I could probably watch a, it was probably still two hours back when... Oh, no, it's been three hours for, what, nine, ten years now, was it?
0: Uh, yeah, must know. must be getting on for that now, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it would have been three hours, but, I mean, I, I got to a point where I was, like, skipping through it in probably 30 minutes um, until I realised, you know, what am I doing? There's really no point in watching this. So I stopped with Smackdown and anything else, WF except for Raw, kept on with Raw for a little while, then stopped watching Raw, but all the time, time, I was watching the pay-per-views. And then eventually just started i think i missed a couple of paper views in a row so i put them in my like my viewing queue or whatever it's called on the network and thought i'd get to them then it became every month where i put them in the in the the queue and and think i'd get to them and then eventually i just sort of completely fizzled out and i you know i still i still follow it in the newsletters in online and stuff and you know i've actually been more more interested in the last few months. Funny enough, since this Facebook group that we're all on um, came about, because I like um, yeah, I like to join in and like to have a conversation. So I might look up a clip here or two, and just when people are talking about it, and it, it's good fun for that. But outside of that, I really, really don't have uh, and don't watch it at all. And, and I think the main reason, the main reason I stopped watching WWE was. I thought, you know, I got the matches. So, people talk about um, the WWE style and how everyone does it, you know. I mean, you watch Ricochet in PWG and you're like blown away. You watch Ricochet in WWE and it's, it, it feels to me like it could be the same as watching, oh, I don't know, like someone else who does the same style. So, what i felt like that took away was the dream matches so not to mention the fact that obviously the brand splits go all over the place and it's not that interesting but when you had people with like you know a zack saber jr versus ricochet i could use rick shakes i'm a big fan you yeah? know and uh, a zack saber jr versus ricochet you were going to get something completely different from both of them you didn't know what you were going to get you know you you had all these um I mean, Marty Skull's a favourite of mine. I know that's controversial at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> But as a, as a wrestler, you know, he's, uh, I always enjoyed him. And then, you know, you, you just get different things. And, and even if I think about, like, the Young Bucks and stuff and the way they wrestle, their matches are different. There's always something different going on, and it felt like the pattern for the WWE was just the same old mm. over and over again. Um, but I think you asked me what I did it now, didn't you?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, so... Um, I watch AEW every week, um, so I really got into that straight away and I've, I've stuck with it, um, quite a job There's I mean, this week's where it's not overly great and, you know, there's weeks where I, I really enjoy it. Um, I actually really like MLW, um, that's, uh, I met, um, Filthy Tom a couple of times, that's, um, events and kind of led me into mlw at first and i really enjoy it i think it's it's an easy hour of wrestling to watch every week um i go through phases with new japan obviously in the, the g1 era i oh, sorry the g1 time of the year i get into it a lot and then fade out a little bit pick up again at wrestle kingdom and that's about it i don't like generally watch their um lead in shows the, the road to, and everything they call it um and then uh yeah, Digital bit of a uh, bit of retro stuff, whether it's like '89, NWA, or um, you know, the, me and a buddy and went and watched the '1990 Royal Rumble the other day. You know, just as a, a as more of a bit of fun. But uh, I would say AEW, MLW, and then um, a bit of New Japan here and there. Life just gets in the way sometimes, buddy. No, it
0: does. Absolutely. '1990 Royal Rumble. That was. That was, was that kind of the Hogan and Perfect at the end. I want to say.
1: Yeah, you got yeah. it. That's the yeah. one. That's the bit in the middle where they did the Hogan Warrior
0: tease for That's the WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. 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 So that was uh, that was good fun. And uh, so, yeah, talking about uh, the talk
1: live events, I. Hey. When I was, well, I don't know how I was at the time, but 2000... I can't remember what year it was. When was the WrestleMania 18, the Rock Hogan?
0: 2002.
1: In Toronto. Okay, so, yeah, I went to that. Um, My cousin had moved to Toronto at the time, and just so happened, uh, at that time, I decided to go out and visit him, and, uh, yeah, I went to that. And talking of the Brett Bulldog thing earlier with uh, cheering backwards and forwards, that was crazy, because I... a little bit at first there was that backwards and forwards and then all of a sudden you know Rob just became the biggest heel in the world so just made me think of that when I was talking about um Brett and Bulldog earlier
0: right we might we might come back to that on another question uh down the line but uh, <laughs> we come on to now the uh the rapid fire questions which um Well, they're they're never actually rapid fire. I don't don't know why I call them that, but um, your favourite wrestler of all time, uh, if you have to pick one, I'm going to, well, can I guess who it might be, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess it's going to be Brett, but it could be someone else, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's such a difficult question, right? Yeah, it's where you were at, what you watched, but yeah, because of being the first real favourite, I think I'd probably have to go with Brett, yeah. Um, you know, interestingly enough I would probably put put Shawn Michaels right up there as well. Um but yeah, it definitely I, I'd go with
0: Brett. I'm surprised we haven't had anyone say Shawn Michaels yet. We've had quite we've had quite a lot of people say Brett and obviously Rick Flair's name pops up from this one. Uh, no one said Sean yet, which so you're the first person to mention Sean, which I'm quite surprised about because you know, there's a lot of people, especially when you're watching in the nineties, they seem to be either in the Brett camp or the Sean camp. You you you, yeah. you you were kind of sort of in both for you. Um No, I mean in the
1: when they were going through the the the, um, the main sort of feud where that led up to Montreal, like I said, I wasn't overly watching it all the time, but um I was definitely more of a proud fan. I think I got more of an appreciation for Shawn Michaels when, when he came, came back.
0: back, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he started doing the matches, you know, with Triple H and and just about everybody, the Jericho program, and and stuff like that. So that that would be uh, that would be the Shawn Michaels I'm, I'm thinking of when I talk about you know being one of my favorites. So I guess from that point, if you think of it, Bret Hart retired by then. Yeah. So yeah. Shawn Michaels had like taken over. So I wasn't really like hey, I like Bret, but I like Shawn. It was more like I like Bret. Now he's gone. Now I like Shawn
0: because Sean was always great but when he came back he his head was in the right place you know he didn't have the the issues he had in the 90s and uh, yeah his run from like 2002 to when he retired in what 2011 or wherever, whenever it was that was yeah. probably better than his first run to be, to be honest with you oh yeah I think so I
1: mean he might not have been at the the height of the popularity and stuff but uh, yeah I mean look, he was just a, he was just amazing at that point I mean I think about, like, the Ric Flair match, and then, I mean, those two Undertaker matches were amazing. I yeah. mean, I could put one on now and just get hooked into the moment, you know, it's, uh, they were great, they really were.
0: Favourite match of all time? If you had to choose one match, what would it be?
1: Live, or does it matter?
0: Well, I mean, you could answer both, of you like. The best one you've seen live, and the best one you've seen on tv or whatever yeah
1: yeah so so rock hogan for being there live with the just the the all the craziness of that crowd and um i was like i think we were me and my friend were about eight rows back so we we're right at the front as well and it was just just insane so that would that would have been uh best match live um, although I did see Rock and Singer a few years late well quite a few years later as well in Florida and that was really good as well similar kind of thing only the other way around in terms of the roles they played um, watching you know from a match I mean omega Ricardo, the actually like the first one probably better than the others and then that that tag match last year with um, the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman was Oh, was yeah. Really good, yeah. although with that, yeah, yeah, that was that was amazing. So, yeah, I think it was, it's totally different watching on so TV be
0: in there live, right? Oh, Absolutely, that that may be my the best tag match I've ever seen, or, or certainly one of them. I mean, that was a phenomenal match. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I also I also really love the Young Bucks and FTR match as well. But yeah, that one with uh, Hangman and, and Omega was incredible. Um, best show. You've ever attended live, so you, so you saw WrestleMania eighteen, and you saw WrestleMania yeah. twenty. What was it, twenty eight? Twenty eight with, with Rock and Cena. That
1: was the first Rock and Cena. So yeah, I think that was, twi- was twenty eight. 28. Yeah. Then I also saw uh, what, what was the one where the Undertaker lost to Brock? Was that
0: 30? thirty? Thirty. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in so I was there,
1: yeah, I saw that in New Orleans, and the one in Dallas I went to, obviously because I was here.
0: Um, that was but, Dallas. Uh, Dallas was what thirty-two.
1: It might have been, you know. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you're younger, um, and like when I used to follow the WWF like religiously, you could list the champions. You could oh list yeah, event, you, you, you can't can for the last everything.
0: sort of five to ten years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it's just not not possible. But um, yeah, so whichever one it was in Dallas, I tell you, the one in New Orleans was was really really interesting. Like when Undertaker undertake a but I mean the, the best show live has got to be, has got to be uh, WrestleMania 18. Um, that was that was really special. Although from I will say from a live event point of view, like as in going to a live event, and having fun, um, I went to a few AEW shows before the. Uh, before COVID, you know, stopped fans going and uh, they were so much fun to go to. I, I don't know if it's because it was new or fresh, or but people all around you, you kind of started talking to and it was it was fun. And they're really good at, well, they were, I don't know, I'm assuming they still will be, but like um, something like a Jack Evans and the interaction outside the ring with the fans, whereas from WWE shows I've been to... Quite a while ago, but it kind of slowed down during any of that. It was more just for the, the, the TV. But then house shows are probably different. I don't know. But uh, they were fun. Anyway, answer your question in this rapid fire round of questions <laughs> would be uh, WrestleMania 18.
0: See, I, I can't remember much else from that card obviously rock and hogan and i thought jericho and triple h had to try and follow it in the main event if i actually i think there may may have been a women's match in between actually with whoever it was at the time uh trish and someone maybe
1: i i couldn't tell you because when you just said that it's made me think yeah i can't i remember (laughs) Claire and um Flair and Undertaker. Oh, Flair and Undertaker,
0: yeah, because that was like uh, that was Flair sort of first sort of real big match. I mean, yeah, I think he had one with Vince, like the Royal Rumble, but he hadn't really wrestled much at all since WCW went out of business, and so he was kind of sort of low on confidence, and he went out there with Taker, had a really good match actually. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to remember what else, DDP and Christian maybe as well for the yeah European um, title RVD
1: RVD and regal was the first match i think for the intercontinental title. Right, yeah you're right with christian and DDP. austin, and,
0: austin then... and scott hall <laughs> yeah
1: yeah which is easy to forget,
0: forgettable probably. i know but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and um i also remember obviously i you know i listened to last Storm on that on the thing Four daily but um i remember that as well he was i think it was him Mr Perfect and it's funny I say I remember it now I can't actually list who was in it but I remember that being a dark match and the dark matches before the show always feel a little bit special to me because not only are you seeing it and you know that other people aren't seeing it um, that are watching it on TV but first match of the night right it's when you're the most excited normally um, so yeah yeah what a show
0: the final question i ask everyone and in many ways it's the hardest one to answer because there's so many different directions you can go with it uh is uh if you could change one thing about the business what would it be so if you could change one thing about wrestling uh what would that one thing be
1: oh yeah that's a tough question um I think as a as a fan, it would be really interesting if, you know, independent contractors really were independent contractors. And, and I don't mean that, in a, you know, from a political point, I don't mean that from a, you know, you could, you could have the shows doing, you know, WWE and AEW could do a joint show and there wouldn't be anything. Um, obviously, there's the politics of who wins and whatever, but, you know, that kind of thing would be, would be pretty cool to be able to have people go different places, um, and then you know the uh, the, the, the grown-up in me, the dad in me as well. I guess <laughs> we'd probably you know, say about the health stuff as well. I mean, there's uh, we've all seen, we've all seen a lot of our favourites die early, and you know, painkillers or drugs or whatever it might be, and now you know, with different reasons, whether it's. Uh, trauma or whatever it might be but uh you know the health aspect and wrestlers not dying so young would be uh would be nice but you know that's quite morbid so i will go along the lines of saying having a proper free workspace where everyone can just turn up wherever they felt like and wherever they were paid to and uh, i think that'd be a lot of fun
0: well that kind of is how it is outside of wwe that that's pretty much how it is because now we're seeing this great crossover between uh, between AEW and Impact, and I'm sure if uh, COVID hadn't have hit, we would have probably seen AEW working in New Japan as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, the wrestling landscape is going to be very interesting going forward, and I think it's going to be great to see so many sort of outlets opening up for guys to to go and explore you know different things. I mean, I, I know that. Uh, obviously you've had things like ring of honor and, and tna working together in the past but now there's so many places that guys can go and yeah as a as a fan there's so many places to watch it as well if, you, if you've got the fight app i mean there's like uh there's so many companies that you've not even heard of that are on uh, that are on there i mean you can you know you uh, if you try and watch all the and there is to watch you probably never will be able to watch all of it would you i mean there's just so much content out there
1: yeah, you, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're right when it comes to people switching around and stuff. I mean, now it's probably uh, one of the better times that there's, there's ever been. But, yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm looking at watching something like um, NWA Power came uh, just before the pandemic, I think it was, and people were saying that was really good, and I watched a couple of episodes and I really liked it, but it was just, it's almost like, do I have time to add this to my schedule? Right. Not yeah. really. So is it better than something I'm currently watching that I would drop to watch this? You know, then that's the decision you, you, I end up making. Um But yeah, I mean, back to what you were saying. Yeah, it is probably one of the better times right now in terms of people being able to go where they want to do. Because, you know, I see someone like, um I mentioned Ricochet earlier, but I'd also say like Keith Lee or Matt Riddle that you watch in. Evolve and, and other independents, and I'm a big fan of P- PWG as well as I mentioned a few times. But you watch them there, and you you really become a big fan. you really really like them. and it's got to a point where when one of them like signs with the WWE or something, it's like it's depressing because you know you <laughs> not only do I not watch it very often, but even if I did watch it for them, it would be a different different wrestler that I'm watching. Um, so I think that's probably what I'm thinking of a lot when I talk about you know being a bit more free and moving
0: all over the place. Well, yeah, because when I think Ricochet and AJ Styles had a match on Raw, now, ordinarily, I would think Ricochet versus AJ Styles, that's a match I've got to go out of my way to watch. But yeah. I've, I've no real desire to go on YouTube or wherever and, 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 and seek out a match from, from Raw because I just know that it'll probably be good but it, it, it won't be what it could be with those two guys involved I mean AJ Styles is I mean he is what he says he is he's phenomenal and you know Ricochet is yeah. is is fantastic as well but there's just something about the WWE I mean I, I do enjoy the pay-per-views and I think the work rate's always great but yeah it, it just seems like they they always say there's a, there's a glass ceiling in, in that company and, and that kind of feels right to me I mean NXT is is slightly different, but as soon as and we've mentioned this several times on the show, but as soon as guys go from NXT to the main roster, they just they just sort of flounder a lot of times, and I think that's certainly the case with with Keith Lee and, and Matt Riddle recently, and and you could go back and name you know Nakamura or you know Finn Balor who actually end up going back to NXT. I mean, there's this case after case of guys just coming over from nxt to the main roster and they're just not able to be who they were if you see what i mean on on, on nxt and they've got a sort of you know i, I don't know it's it, it's always been like that though when you think about guys coming over from wcw or you know from wherever i mean they can't be who they were before because vince always has to change people doesn't he it happened with goldberg the first time around and i mean we could name so many different cases that are happening can't we i mean it's uh, it's always happened over the years
1: yeah you're right I don't want it to be um, you know bash WWE well, yeah, I mean I WWF got me into it and I'd still that sister to watch some of the old stuff and I, I hope one day i am get hooked on it again and want to watch every every live minute of it but, but I, I agree with you it's it's almost like So, um, I work in the hospitality industry, right? So, it's almost like me hiring somebody because I look at their resume, I like their experience, I like their interview and see who they are and what they can do. And then I bring them in and say, I don't want you to use any of that stuff. You know, I want you to do it my way and I want you to forget about any ideas you might have because you're just going to use my ideas. There's no point in me hiring Someone with a ton of experience who's really interested and, and and knows what they're doing to then turn them into a a clone of what I already have. So, you know, if, if Keith Lee is performing on the on the Indies for one of a better word and he's you know getting great reactions and he's doing all those moves that no one believes that anyone his size could possibly do, and that's what gets you hooked on it. And then you put him into into the WWE and he's you know either not doing them or not allowed to do them or whatever it is and, and all of a sudden you've just changed the guy completely and taken
0: away what people like so well I don't know how, how you feel about this but I think the last guy to really be themselves to, to and, he, and even even still they, they they sort of messed it up was CM Punk you know CM Punk was more or less able to to be him and, and he got over but even with him, they just sort of—he he got over more than they wanted him to. I think, and it just kind of that sort of scuppered their plans. And so, excuse me. So they sort yeah. of went a different direction, didn't they? But Punk, Punk kind of got there for a little bit. Yeah, he
1: probably is the last uh, last holdout from there. I think. But I mean, it could go both ways as well. Can't I? I mean, if you think about the end of WCW when you had like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall being themselves, and it was just a joke. So, <laughs> so well, maybe that's more of a personality thing than a wrestling thing. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult, and I, and I get that if you're going to be on national TV, it's a lot different than being at um, the MLW show. I go and watch over at the, the um, Athletic Complex, you know, near me, but. It's, I get you've got to teach on that being on TV. Maybe you have to be a star, whatever it might be, but just to change everything just feels, I don't know, it just, like I said, it's almost like so and so signs with WWE. Oh, great. Um, I watched that. What was that guy? Uh, It
0: was on Impact Live, Ben something in Australia. He was on on AEW Dark, wasn't he, a few times. In fact, I I may may have even had a match on on Dynamite as well. Ben. Ben,
1: is it Carter? Yes, yeah, Ben Carter. Night. Yeah. But, okay, yeah, but you know, I watched, I saw that match on the album and I was like, this guy's amazing. This is, this guy's going to be good. And then you see, in. I W E, I couldn't help just be like, oh well. Like, <laughs> like in a few years when he, when he even leaves or something, maybe we'll get get back to uh to be able watch him again. But you that's that's really, really uh, a negative way of looking at it. Um, but uh... uh just the way I've been made to feel in that respect, I think, but uh, there's, there's, you know, let's, let's finish this on a positive note, I mean, there's so much good stuff out there right now, like you said, you couldn't keep up with it and watch everything you want to watch, uh, and I mean, if that's if that's a complaint that there's too much good stuff out there to be able to watch it all, I mean, we're in a pretty good time.
0: No, we are, I mean, I, I love to watch, I watch Dynamite every week, but, you know, when obviously obviously the pandemic's still going on but when I was sort of furloughed from work I would watch Dynamite Live every Wednesday and I would join in with everyone watching it on the the Fight Game Facebook group and in you know I obviously do the threads every week for the for the Facebook group and we were all chatting about the show and <coughs> excuse me now I sort of have to wait until Friday to watch it so I kind of miss out on all the all the chats and everything but yeah, Dynamite is definitely the only show I will watch every single week, and I, I really enjoy it. I mean, who, who are some of the guys that you really love to watch on Dynamite every week?
1: Um, well, I mean, John Loxley's, uh super entertaining. <laughs> I really like Ricky Starks. I think he's going to be be uh, big. Um, I've always been a fan of Leonard, that. The uh, smarmy sarcastic heels. Yeah, MJF is is just so interesting, like just so fun to listen to. With some of his um, ad libs, I guess. And I don't know if you if you use Twitter a lot, but if you follow him on Twitter, and I mean, he's just uh, he's great. So you know, and then Sammy Guevara, who I, I don't know if you saw a picture I posted in that Facebook I group I did, yeah, yeah, I did. But uh, yeah, I met him once and. Uh, he was—he uh, was a nice guy. He's entertaining. So there's—there's just—I um, feel like there's a lot of di- lot of variation on Dynamite in what I'm watching, um, which I know some people would probably disagree and so there's there's not. It's just a different style. But um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, Moxley, MJF, um, uh, and yeah, you know, the young bucks, Hangman, Kenny—they're all uh, all good fun.
0: Someone who. I'm not sure a is a word, but you either get the character and you love it or you don't. What about Orange Cassidy? Where do you stand on him?
1: Um, <coughs> I, it's funny so say you get it or you don't. I, I'm prob- probably middle, middle of the road with Orange Cassidy. I, I think he's entertaining. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it by a long, long shot, but he's not like I would tune in to watch Orange Cassidy. Um, it makes me laugh in certain places, but like at this point, because he's been on TV quite a lot, it's the little things that you might just catch every now and again. Like I don't know if you saw it the other week, where um, on the Brodie Lee tribute show, where he, he did the Dark Order Claw, and he did it with like a uh, you know the symbol they do, and he did it with his with his wrist, like limp and everything, and it just made me laugh because it was like the whole I'm really lazy type thing. But uh, oh yeah, he walked just, over
0: uh, that point where he walked over to. Um... Negative one, didn't he, at ringside? Yeah. Uh, did. Yeah, that
1: was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think um, anyway. I think it's, it's There's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with him being on the show. I think he's uh, he's entertaining, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's like a favourite of mine or anything. Um, but you know, that's just uh, just the way I look
0: at it. Steve, I want to thank you a lot for uh, for coming on. Obviously, as I said to every guest on this show. Uh, obviously, I'll run out of guests for this particular podcast eventually, but I do want to do more podcasts, and I'd love to have you back at some point to talk about whatever. Really, I mean, obviously, everybody in the group uh, we get on really well, and, and uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I've made so many, I made so many friends from the Facebook group, and I've not been a member of it for that long. Really, I think I I joined in September of of last year, and at the time. You know, I had maybe one mutual friend that was Garrett, and now I've got, like, 20 mutual friends from from the group. So it, it's a great place to be, isn't it? So I, I I I can't think of a... I've been a member of other wrestling sort of communities, if you like, or message boards or, or groups, or whatever, over the years. But this is probably the best one, because with the ones I've been members of previously, there's always been yeah there's always been idiots there you know because wrestling does bring out the worst of people sometimes and uh i've definitely come across some some not so savory characters on on these in these groups but everybody is just great in that group isn't aren't they it's just it's a really great facebook group
1: yeah it just feels respectful like you can you can pretty much voice um whatever opinion you know people will disagree people will argue but it, it doesn't get to a like, like a lot of uh, groups or you know, where, it, where it becomes into more of a, you know, personal argument with the other person just because you've got a difference of opinion. So, yeah, I, you know, I, um, I'm really glad I joined. I, I didn't go into it. I, think I, I don't think I joined much before or after you. I mean, it's probably about the same time. So, um, yeah, it is. It's good. And it's, you know, I think... That, there's not many people I know, especially now, that, that watch wrestling, particularly outside of just being, because there's not many casual fans left, I guess, so, you know, there's not many people I talk to. I've got one one friend uh, who's quite a big wrestling fan, and we chat quite a bit, but uh, giving that group and something to, to chat along with different things and different opinions is, is really different. fun, so, I think Garrett set it up, didn't he, so...
0: I he know, did. Maybe you'll
1: listen to this, and we can give him the give him the kudos for
0: it. Well, I mean, Garrett will will be coming on this show very very soon. He, uh, he's one of the the people I've got on my list that I'm sort of working my way through, and and when I do have him on, I, I do want to sort of say, well this this podcast I'm doing wouldn't exist without without you because if you hadn't have, um set up the Facebook group, I would have all these guests to speak to. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so very much uh, because of Garrett, this show is happening and, and i really enjoy i really enjoy doing it and uh yeah hope to do lots more of them in the future and, and like i say you have an open invitation to come back whenever you would like to so
1: i'd love to man and uh you yeah, know thanks to you for doing this it's been good to get uh different different ideas of uh, you know actually to listen to the people that you you, you communicate with online and and their yeah, story is it's really good so yeah no i'd love to uh, come back on and uh whether it's for a podcast or not you know we'll just make sure we stay in touch and uh, you seem to be quite the night owl which is uh pretty good because i think we're six hours apart so uh, you know yeah feel free to stay in touch and it'll be great uh, i'm trying to talk to you say?
0: yeah thanks a lot steve and i'll be back on tuesday the next guest i have lined up is um Josiah McDonald uh, from uh, Canada, so first Canadian guest on the podcast. So uh, do join me for that. But for Steve, I'm David, signing off, and thank you for listening.